0: During this uh, True and Better series, uh, we've been looking at the lives of some Old Testament characters who were living by faith that God would deliver on His promises. We're going to look at men and women in the Old Testament who were living by faith that God would deliver on His promises. They didn't even know who the Messiah would be. They didn't know what God's promises fulfilled in Christ would look like. I mean, compared to us, compared to what we know now, They didn't understand hardly anything and yet lived with great faith according to the power of God in them. They followed with great faith knowing much less than we know now. And the reason we come each week to look at this book, this Bible, the Word of God, is because it's the story of how those characters point to Jesus. It's the story of how those men and women Lived by faith in a way that pointed to Jesus. Friends, the Christian life, and I'm choosing my words carefully here, the Christian life is lived only by means of trusting God. The Christian life is lived only by means of trusting God. I think it's real easy early on in our lives or when we become a believer in, in the first place, maybe when you were baptized, maybe when you first made a profession of faith publicly. I think it's real easy to, to think of trust as something that happened then. And I'm just I, that's, that's my trust. I trust that Jesus died for me and, and He made up what is lacking in me that one time when He died on the cross. And so the Christian life is lived out of that one time and... and I'm I'm saying here today, and we're going to look at this in the life of Abraham, that the Christian life is lived only by means of trusting God. And I think we like to think that we can live it effectively while standing on that platform the whole time. Because I think a lot of times that's functionally what ends up happening for a lot of our lives. That's a false way of living the Christian life. When you give your heart and your life to Christ, you cross your arms and you fall straight back, trusting that He will catch you and show you the way. And, and you, just, you just keep doing that. That's... That's what it is. It's, it's a step of faith and trust each time God wants to show us something. God wants to take us to the next step. Show us the next place of obedience in our lives. It doesn't just mean going somewhere or doing something. This is the key. It doesn't just mean going somewhere. It means being godly. I think a lot of us like to stand on the platform asking God questions like, am I going to be safe enough? Am I going to get hurt? Will I be secure enough? Can I provide for my family? Will I have enough to retire? Will I have enough achievement so I feel significant in this life? Will I be happy while I'm trusting you, God? All those kinds of questions that swirl around for us. I think, friends, many of us live an ineffective Christian life because we're standing on this platform asking God questions about details, we're not yet equipped to handle. What we don't realize while we're standing there is that we end up really trusting us and not God. And we manipulate the lives of those around us and our circumstances to ensure that we can stay on the platform where we like it and we're comfortable. And as he embarked on this journey of following God, Abraham had to learn to trust God instead of self. That was the faith that was required, was moving from trust in self to trust in God. I want you to turn to Genesis 17 if you haven't yet. We're going to start at verse 1 together and point out some cool detail here that helps us see more about the faith of Abraham in a way that will be helpful for us. It says this, verse 1, it says when Abram, his name was first Abram, later on it becomes Abraham, we'll see that here in a second. When Abram was 99 years old, so he's no spring chicken. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. Now press pause for a couple of minutes here. I want you to get a sense of what's going on here from what the text is telling us. The word used here for God Almighty is the Hebrew term, the Hebrew name El Shaddai. El Shaddai. And this is the very first time that it is used in Scripture. That's significant. This is the first time it's used in Scripture. So this is God revealing something about Himself for the first time to a person in Scripture. This is the name, El Shaddai, that that describes the God who makes things happen by means of His majestic power and might. If you're taking notes, you may want to circle God Almighty in your Bible and right next to it first time in scripture shows who's in control it's used here this name el shaddai is used here to stress that god is sovereign and he is the one who is calling abram and who is in control of his steps along the way now abram already knew by chapter 17 that he was doing something that he was being called to something he already knew that He already knew that because of uh, Genesis 12. If you want to turn there real quick, Genesis 12.1 is a a cool little verse where God first calls Abram. He already knows that God's going to be controlling his steps in some manner because of 12.1 it says this, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, in other words, leave everything with which you are familiar to go to the land that I will show you, it says in 12.1. Go to the land that I will show you. Now notice here in 17.1 it says that Abram... Abram was 99 years old at the time, so he's, he's not a young guy. Can you imagine being in retirement <laughs> when God says, hey, what I want you to do is pick up everything you've always known and are comfortable with. And this is back in the days before pods.com and movers. Pick up everything and travel 600 miles by foot to a place... I'm not even going to tell you about until you're walking along the way and then I'll show you. Which is an important picture of the life, the journey of faith for us. Following God doesn't mean having the whole map in front of us, does it? Boy, do we want that whole map, don't we? (laughs) Following God doesn't mean having the whole map. It involves a step-by-step journey where we obey And God responds. There's a reason for that. It's part of the process of Him making us into His image. It's part of the process of the likeness of Christ being made known in us. We'll keep talking about that a little later on. So we obey and God responds. We may know the final destination, but we don't have the details worked out yet. God's got all that under control. That's why He reveals Himself here as El Shaddai. That's the El Shaddai part of this text. God is saying, listen bro, I've got this. You just go walk. You just go travel. You just start the journey and I will tell you where to turn. So this is a serious step of faith for Abram. And it's not just about moving. It's not just about going from one place to the next. This isn't just a change in address. What Abram is being asked to do here, what he's being asked to do is to go from personal identity to identification with God. This is a change in his entire identity. In all of the things that he knew that brought him security. It's a way of God saying, you are no longer in charge. Your very steps will now be directed by me. That's what it means to be called, friends. And that's why it's scary for those who haven't given their hearts completely to God. It's leaving behind the supposedly secure human supports. That's what it means to follow God. It's leaving behind the supposedly secure human supports. Count that cost before you give your heart to God. That's what a calling is. You may think that it's a calling to to go somewhere or to get enough security or to hoard enough wealth or achievement or or to to go to a particular destination or, or even to do something that seems good and right. You may think that that's the calling. But the calling first is to identify with Almighty God so that your life is now led by Him. That's the El Shaddai part of this text. And for every one of us, every single one of us in this room, there is a turn God wants to show us <clears throat> that He won't or He can't until we're walking. A lot of us, I think, wait for God to give us the whole map when He just plain wants to get us walking. I think way too many of us. Way too many believers are stuck at a faith that is basically intellectual assent because they don't really trust God to make use of small steps of faithfulness along the way. There are many of us still stuck up on the platform, waiting to fall, waiting to trust even though we said long ago that we would trust His provision for our journey. Just standing there waiting. Having your questions all answered before you do anything. That equals a recipe for stagnant, atrophied, intellectual ascent kind of faith. Now, that, now before we go on here, there's something really cool I want you to see here. Uh, notice this. and it, uh, this, this whole passage is about God calling Abram. But notice the calling, which is certainly about going to another land. It's about going to Canaan, the promised land, and being fruitful. Yes. I mean, God's calling Abram. To go somewhere. But notice the very first thing that God says to him in the very first verse. It says this verse 1, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Walk before me doesn't mean just like walk in front of me. As much as it means walk in my presence. Not just walk around me. (laughs) That's not what God's saying here. He's saying walk by means of my presence. Walk in it. Not walk around it. Not walk in front of it. Walk before me is a Jewish way of saying, walk by means of my presence. God is saying to Abram. So he's telling Abram how the faith journey is meant to be lived. You walk by being in the presence of, and directed by, and sustained by God's presence. One commentator says it simply. He says, God directs Abraham, who here represents Israel and anyone else who ends up following God, God directs Abraham to live life before him, a life in which every step is taken looking to God and every day of which is accompanied by him. The call is first to godliness. The journey, the land of Canaan to which Abram would go, The being a father of a multitude of nations. All of that only happens. It only works. God only guides if the calling is first to walk before God and be blameless. What we're saying is that from the beginning, Scripture's story is that personal holiness is part and parcel of your fruitfulness and your effectiveness. This is huge because I think a lot of people bypass this. Scripture's story from the beginning is that personal holiness is part and parcel of your fruitfulness and effectiveness. Some of us are less effective for the kingdom because there's something in our lives God wants to teach us we're trying to bypass. There's something God wants to teach us about fruitfulness, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There's something God wants to teach us that we're not learning. And then we sit there and we go, "Why, why am I not being used by you? I think sometimes he sits there and he goes, how do I use that? I'll just work harder, God. I mean, I'll just do more. dead-end road there I'll just try harder be smarter be kinder the principle we see is that mission is journey and destination mission is journey and destination and I think we give a lot of time and effort to destination without journey the mistake many of us make is working hard to get to a destination while bypassing the journey of holiness. That's why God reveals himself as El Shaddai. That's why he says, walk in my presence and be blameless. Before he gets to any of the stuff about, I'm going to make you fruitful. We'll talk about that in a second. But the first thing God wants to do is to make us people, <laughs> is to make us people who are worthy of of being followed, admired, seen as the true thing by those who don't know Christ. I think there's a principle about God not using us much until we're usable that we try to bypass. We want to get to working in a way that easily keeps God from working in us. What if God wants to exhibit more humility before you go preaching to those who don't know Him? Because if there's not humility, they're not going to hear you. <laughs> what if God wants to show you more kindness before you go helping those who help themselves? I'm not saying it's first and second. I'm saying it's both and. But the scales for us are tipped in destination, destination, destination. when We forget the journey of holiness along the way. Maybe holiness is more God's mission for you than you realize. Maybe holiness is the mission for us that brings about the effectiveness we so desire. I think that's a part of what's going on here for Abram as God calls him. Look at verse 2 here. This is... Such cool stuff. Here's the reason. Here's the reason why God wants Abram and us to do this. He says, number 2, verse 2, He says, That I may make my covenant between me and you. The holiness is for the sake of, verse 2, That I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. This is a reminder for us of Genesis one twenty-eight, which is the first first command of God to be fruitful and multiply. That's another way here of saying be fruitful and multiply. That, that thing that shows up for Abram in Genesis 12 as well. Uh, turn with me real quick to Genesis 12, verse 2. This is another way of God commanding Abram to be fruitful and multiply. God just says it a different way than be fruitful and multiply in Genesis 128. He says this in Genesis 12:2. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. God is telling Abram that God has blessed him in order that Abram may bless others. Discipleship is in the entire Bible if you look for it. Mission and giving and sacrifice and service for the sake of building up the body and making others who know Christ to follow Him and to be effective in their own lives. It's all over the pages of Scripture if you're looking for it. Blessed to be a blessing is what God has said to Abraham. And by the way, this is your life motto. You don't need to go for a half-day seminar to Stephen Covey. Your life motto is blessed to be a blessing. I've just told you. God said it. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. Blessed to be a blessing. So the journey is a God-led journey, like Abraham, where we learn with each new day, each new opportunity, that God has given us the responsibility to, like He does, bless others nothing we have is for the sake of us unless it's done in a godly manner that's for the sake of others as well now now when you're called to such a high calling when you really understand the enormous responsibility to steward to steward that mission of be fruitful and multiply the only way you can make that happen this is what we talked about before the only way you can make that happen and sometimes this is why god doesn't automatically bless your efforts Are we preaching yet? The only way you can make that happen is if God makes it happen. It's the only way to make it happen. Look at this, verse 3. The only adequate response is depend on God. It says, Then Abram fell on his face, which is a sign of humility and worship before God. It's acknowledging, You're the El Shaddai who's going to have to make this happen because I cannot, Lord. Abram fell on his face. This is him saying, I'm ready for whatever you ask of me. And God said to him, Verse 4, "...behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations." That phrase, a multitude of nations, we're going to look at in a second here, in the Hebrew is a, is, sounds a lot like Abraham. Uh, it's, it's a little play on words that we're going to talk about here. So what God's doing here is He's changing Abram's name to reflect His new mission. Your name, when you followed Christ, stopped being the name you were given, and the name was Christian. The name is disciple. That's like what is going on here with Abram. His name goes from Abram, which means exalted father, to Abraham, which we're told here means father of a multitude. God is telling Abraham that he will be a spiritual father to many nations. And I want to show you a really cool thing in the text that shows from early on in Scripture that God is seeking the lost even beyond the people of Israel. Even beyond the people of Israel. Look at verse 5 again. It says this, No longer shall your name be called Abram, which means exalted father, but your name shall be Abraham, which means father of multitude. But then check out the way God says this in a way that further defines father of a multitude in the next phrase. At the end of verse 5, he says, For I have made you the father of a multitude of goyim. I've made you the father of a multitude of nations. That word for nations there is goyim, which later became a word that the Jews used to talk of the rejected non-Jewish nations. The supposedly non-elect pagans. But here... And this is why this is so cool. God is telling Abraham that he is going to be a spiritual father to all who are God's children. Even including the non-Jewish goyim. What this means is that before the Jews sort of co-opted it and and turned it into a bad term, a negative term for their own self-righteousness, god's intent all along was mission giving of himself revealing himself to any and to all who would follow him as lord so to say that abraham is the father of the goyim would sound like heresy later on to the jews but in the first half of john 8 which is a super cool passage a fascinating passage jesus recovers this concept and tells the jews straight up to their face abraham is the father of anyone who follows me is what Jesus says in John 8. It's an amazing passage that helps show that God intended all along, Jesus knew that God intended all along to reveal Himself to anyone who would follow in faith, even those who are of the the Goyim, the nations. Why belabor this point? Because it shows that God is a God who loves to have people follow Him in faith. Even those we may not want. Your life, my life, everything we steward are blessed to be a blessing life is for those who don't yet know. It's not to circle the wagons. And it's in the pages of Scripture. It's dripping with mission. And if you don't know that, If you don't live like that, if you don't want to be blessed to be a blessing for those who don't know Him, then you don't really know God's heart. You just think you do. Now notice in the next few verses how much God is the primary actor. He is the one who makes the mission happen through His Spirit in us. Look at verses 6-8. through I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. Verse 7, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring and after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. Verse 8, and I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. God is telling Abram that it is God's own goodness realized in Abram's life. It is God's own goodness realized in Abraham's life that will produce the fruit. Your effectiveness in the kingdom absolutely depends on that truth. Because otherwise you will twist it for yourself at every turn. And we've all experienced some of that. Those of us who would like to bypass the work of God producing holiness in us. I think, I, think we hardly, I think we hardly realize the extent to what we're called to until we are knee-deep in it. That's just sort of the nature of things. I, I didn't have any idea how much time or effort or money or heart would be involved in being a husband or a, a father or minister. It's that way for all of us with lots of our lives. We hardly realize the extent of what we're called to until we are knee-deep in it. And we often think, wow, I didn't realize it's going to be this hard or this slow or require this much of me. That's exactly the crucible God's got us in for the sake of His goodness being made known that will produce the fruit. That means people will get to know Him. See, faith in the Christian life is like a series of trust falls. This is why we did this in the beginning. Faith in the Christian life is like a series of trust falls. There's a version of the trust fall that's kind of like the trust lean. (laughs) You don't really fall very far. You just stand here like this and somebody stands behind you about a, a foot or two and you just you just barely go back and they catch you and you may go woo that was nice but it doesn't really thrill that much and then you move to a couple people behind you and then three and then somebody catches you down at the ground and then you get up on the platform and I've seen trust falls that are up six, eight feet high now that's thrilling that's a free fall that's, that's feeling like if, if nobody catches me I'm sunk. I'm in trouble. I think the Christian life is a little bit like that. God may have you do a trust lean where you're hardly following, falling, falling and He catches you early. But then He may ask you to climb up to higher platforms. Because if you've ever done a trust fall or something like that, you know that the greater the height, the greater the fall, The greater the thrill, it's more fun. That's the adventure. The Christian life is a little bit like that. But I suspect that for many of us, trust is much more of a struggle. It's much more of a struggle than we'd care to admit. Trust me. Uh, Yes, Jesus, I trust you. Now, fall back. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. (laughs) fall back. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the next step of trust God's calling you to make is as much about you reflecting the goodness and glory of God in your life, reflecting Christ, His likeness being made known in you, as it is anything else. So I want you to be thinking in just a second here as we're praying This invitation that we make each Sunday isn't just an invitation to walk down the aisle to be baptized once, to trust in God one time. It's it's an invitation to continue to uh, turn your heart in a way that hears the step of faith or trust that God has for you. And I I don't know what that is. You plus the Holy Spirit and those around you who know you can tell you what that is. It It may be getting involved in some service, It may be taking the step of being in a life group. It may be giving to something that that has some needs or to someone uh, who has some financial needs. It can be a whole raft of different things, but for each one of us, there's something that God's called us uh, to do that is not just about the destination, but about your holiness. It may be that you're doing those things Because He wants to make kindness happen in your life. Or generosity. Maybe the gift of mercy isn't something you're great at. But you you know in your heart you you have that desire. And so serving in a particular kind of way isn't about the service so much as it is also about. You having a heart that reflects the goodness of God. So make that your prayer as we pray now. Father in heaven.